Sports Radio 1043 The Fan presents Mile High Hoops with Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach By, and as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your very busy day with me here on the podcast, reacting to game two. Well, that sucked. I mean, holy crap, there is no way to sugarcoat this one. There is no lipstick to throw on this one. A 123-98 drubbing, clubbing, pummeling of these Denver Nuggets in Game 2. Not going to spend too, too much time today on this podcast because, in my opinion, there's not like... There's not like a bunch of different angles on this one. Um, The Nuggets did not have it. They did not bring it. They were down uh, uh, 10 points at half, and I thought they were extremely fortunate. And I tweeted this at the time, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Byzline. I tweeted this at the time, that they were lucky. I could not believe how bad they played in that first stanza. To be only down 10 at the break. And then it just gets busted wide open uh, in the third. Uh, Then you're down, I think it was 19 points uh, going into the fourth. And the Nuggets actually hit a couple shots there late in that third that that made it um, 19. And really, it felt like 50. I mean, it felt like, it honestly felt like uh, the Milwaukee Bucks did uh, the, the other night against Brooklyn. And... It obviously never got uh, expanded to, you know, 45 or what what have you. Uh, But it certainly felt like it. It certainly felt like it. These Nuggets just don't have it, guys. They don't have it. And, you know, my reasoning for picking the Portland Trailblazers in round one in that lack of firepower, that exact uh, reasoning and explanation can be lifted and transferred and dropped right here in round two. We are not seeing any anyone outside Nikola Jokic put the ball in the bucket like no one. Uh, like in these NBA playoffs, when you're three of your five starters are six points or less, like that's that's what it looks like, guys. That's what it looks like. And Jokic um, honestly has to be better. Uh, obviously, I think we all uh, from a Nuggets standpoint anyway we're hoping that you know the day after that Nikola Jokic gets you know uh the MVP announced and and if you hadn't uh, heard it go check out the uh, most previous episode here on the Mile High Hoops podcast just a total uh, dedicated episode to Nikola Jokic and some historical context and um I, I think it's I think it's worth your time if you have not listened to that um but you know, we wanted this moment for Nicola, you know, and uh, he, although if you look at on paper, it's not like, the you know, 24 points, 13 rebounds, six assists. He shot, uh, you know, better than 50% from the floor, but you're not feeling him, right? Like, forget the stats, just the temperature of the game. You're not really feeling him the way that we would hope. And, you know, there's a couple different reasons for it. I think one you're seeing a bunch of possessions where they actually just can't get him the ball or or don't make a total focused effort to get him the ball. Pick one. It, it's just as bad. So, like, there, there, there was an entry pass to Jokic that he was in, like, deep 
left block. Like, he's in between the block and the out-of-bounds line. And the effort to get him the ball, and forgive me, I forget who gave him the pass. But it was from, like, the opposite elbow. Like, that's how tough it was. They're, like, lobbing a post entry from the other side of the court to a place where Jokic is trapped between the defender and the baseline. But that's, you know, that's what type of challenge it is just to get him in a good spot. And the Suns are, man, these Suns, these Suns, this is, this is as much to me about Phoenix as it is about a Denver shortcomings. You're seeing just a complete basketball team. Complete six players and double figures, three more Phoenix players with eight points or more, or excuse me, seven points or more. I mean, they are, um, they're, they're tough, man. They're tough, really tough defensively. They really guard. They are smothering. And there's 10 different possessions that you could look at, um, and it's just, it's, it's smothering, like I said. And then on the other end of the court to just have nothing going offensively. And somehow they, somehow they took more threes in game two than they did in game one. Took 43 three-pointers. And the math says that they made 32%, 14 of 43, obviously not good. But that number got lifted. That number got lifted in the second half. I, I, I watch every single Nuggets game. I can't remember a first half that was as bad from three or just as bad in general. They, they were lifeless. The Nuggets were lifeless. The second quarter, they were throwing the basketball all over the floor like it was the last pickup game before the gym closed uh, and shut the lights off at 24-hour fitness on a Tuesday night. I mean, you talk about careless. Just chucking that thing around. And you combine that with the just flat-out falling on your face from three, no aggressiveness to the basket. They shot two free throws in the first half. Two. <laughs> I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Like, that's, yeah, you're getting your head kicked in. You're losing by 25. Yeah, that, yes, yes, that's what happens. So, um, just, just brutal. Just brutal all the way around. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I suppose, was, uh, I mean, I, I want to say he was fine, but he's not, he wasn't good. Michael Porter Jr. was awful. I was in pain watching Michael Porter Jr. in that first half, physically. I mean, he just looked, he looked stiff as a board, just throwing the basketball at the hoop, hoping it goes in. An absolute albatross on defense. Chris Paul just makes a point to try to expose him. At one point in the game, I believe it was three consecutive possessions, they tried to get him on an isolation. And... You know, Jokic is not the best version of himself. He he actually needs to be more aggressive. When DeAndre Ayton picked up his second foul, I'm like, okay, okay, we're in business here. And, the, I, I mean, I, how many fouls did Ayton finish with? Um, two. He only finished with the two. Golly, man. So, you know, Compasso, um, you know, while playing hard as he possibly can, is one for seven from the field, one for five from three. And Austin Rivers, um, man, it feels like that magic that was there just a week ago. <sighs> that old Jay-Z song, it was all good just a week ago. Funny what seven days can change. Yeah, uh, it feels like yesterday I'm at game five and Austin Rivers is in game five of the first round. Uh, Austin Rivers is just a major storyline and we're talking about how you don't win that series without him against Portland. And while that's true, 
however good he was in game uh, or series number one, round number one, uh, he's been really bad. In 25 minutes out on the floor, a minus 21. Michael Porter Jr. was a minus 26. Outscored by 26 when he was on the floor. And you're not getting really much of anything from your bench. And 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 pardon me if this is, you know, overly negative, but I, I, I just think that that's what tone is required after just getting smacked for two straight games. Smacked. I'm not sure. I said this uh, two days ago when we recorded after game one. You know, it might have been the worst basketball game I've ever seen Monte Morris play. He follows it up with a one of seven from the floor in 22 minutes. So that means in the first two games of this series, Monte Morris is two for 17 from the floor. Two for 17. He was a minus 19 while out on the floor in his 22 minutes. And we know in his 23 minutes in game one, he was a minus 28. Worst number I've ever seen for Monte in his career. So in the in the in the a time out there, Monte Morris in game one and game two, I gotta use my calculator here because I'm terrible at math. Uh but uh twenty-eight plus nineteen. So a minus forty-seven in his minutes through two games. Again, going back to what I said at the very top of the podcast. There's no sugarcoating this one, guys. There's no sugarcoating. And I picked Denver, and feeling pretty foolish uh, and, and naive here, and there's a, you know, on paper, on paper it says there's a lot of series left. My internal basketball thermometer tells me that the Nuggets are a dead duck. That's, what, that's just my natural internal basketball thermometer. And, and how could it not be, right? Now the old adage, no series starts until you, you know, lose on your home floor. And while that is true, and while the Nuggets, you know, could have yet another rabbit in their hat, um, I'm not seeing anything, like literally anything, to draw from in game two that would lead me to believe that there's just there's this other gear um that we're gonna see. And part of it is based on just like the um the overall effort like it's not just the missed shots and that's a huge part of it like no one can seem to hit the bronze broad side of a barn but like I'm not seeing the sense of urgency I they they put me here at work on the drive time show with um one of my coworkers, Darren McKee DMAC and he said what should what should it look like from a uh, urgency standpoint he's like when you talk about sense of urgency what does that look like and i said well go look back at game 2 against portland after the nuggets lost game 1 within the first 4 minutes of the game three different denver nuggets were literally on the floor after loose basketballs go back and look at it we didn't see that type of uh effort that type of fire in the belly that type of our series our season could be on the brink here. We can't afford to go down 0-2. I just didn't see it. And this game was really never that close, never really felt that close. And <clears throat> going back to what I was beginning to say a minute ago, at the at, before this series started, I did pick the Nuggets. And part of my reasoning was the NBA playoffs and the aspirations of a champion is typically a climb that it is a process, and the Suns were more of an add water and stir type of team. This specific group hadn't been together before. 
especially the mainstays, the 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 the, the cog at the top, Chris Paul, and working with these guys, Devin Booker, his first playoff um, experience, and. While that might be true, you have to make them go through something. You have to force the tension on them that has them question themselves, has doubt creep in. And at that point, maybe the lack of the process together, the lack of the climb, maybe will be a factor in this series. But it's not going to be a factor if you're getting your head smacked in by 20 points. That you're down double figures at every halftime. Like, and, and I suppose that was not the case. It was a one point game at half in game one. Um, but, uh, you know, being down uh, or giving it all back in the third and going into the fourth quarter, there's no stress, po- there, there's, no, there's no trigger point. There's no, there's no moment of stress, of chaos. The Suns have been in control of this thing from really start to finish. So, it, um, you know, here we are. Here we are. Uh, is there adjustment, uh, adjustments to be made schematically? Maybe, you know, maybe even as bad as Monte has struggled, you, do you try to start him instead of Faku? Maybe you know, even Barton on a minutes restriction? You know, do you do, you, do, you do a wholesale change and start Monty Morris and Will Barton to go with Jokic, MPJ, and Gordon? It's not like their play has, I mean, Barton was, uh, uh, you know, one of the brighter spots in his return. Look spry. Um so that was one of the small encouraging um, moments or uh, bullet points of game two. Do you, do you start them? I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but I know, here's what I do know. Regardless of X's and O's and scheme and adjustments, it, it, you can do whatever you want. That type of uh, lack of energy, lack of fervor, lack of urgency, lack of fire, it doesn't matter what combination of guys is out there. That's not going to get it done. From just just the human standpoint, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And these guys can, you know, talk about it in the locker room after the game. Chris Haynes' report and, and Michael Malone, you know, blasting the team, saying they quit. He's right. It, that, that's what it looked like for me as a as an observer. If if I didn't live in Denver, if I didn't cover this basketball team as closely as I do, and I'm just like a casual basketball fan. I wasn't watching that fourth quarter because as one of my buddies here in town tweeted, if these guys don't care as much to be here in this moment, why am I still sitting here? So let's see what these guys got. Let's see what these guys got. You know, the series is not over. There is a time to still make the Suns feel that uh, stress, that tension. Let's see if they do it. Let's see if they do it. You know, every time, We've talked about this repeatedly. Every time when the chips are down, it does feel like the Nuggets respond. Well, guess what? (laughs) Chips are really down. The chips are really down. Let's see what they have in Game 3, Ball Arena, Friday night. And you know that whatever happens in Game 3, we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops Podcast.
Oh, hey, didn't realize you were listening. Well, let's make this quick. And don't touch that dial. We're Rocky Mountain Forest Products, and we're not aggressive. We're passionate. And we're not going to blast you with facts you don't need. But when you do, visit rmfp.com. Whether you're in need of fencing, decking, or siding information, it's all there. And best of all, it's free. No one likes a salesman, so we're not going to sell you. Whether you need the info or not, just remember rmfp.com. You do you, Colorado. You do you.